Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Eyes Can See. Uh, we're going to get started. So let's get started now. Thank you, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Eyes Can See, another broadcast. So we're here today, and we will be talking about racism and the church. What a topic. This is a hot topic, you all, because I want to get into why things are like they are, especially with the church, Christianity, and black people. Uh, I want to shed some light on this, especially since the Aubrey shooting, Ahmad Aubrey shooting. Uh, we as a people need to know who we are, and that's why I am bringing you these messages about our stolen identity. So let's start off with prayer. Thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, for blessing me with this platform, that it may encourage, that it may teach your children who they are and whose they are, that their true identity will come to them, and it will be no question as to who they are and whose they are in Jesus' mighty name. And let's do Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So, today's message, again, is about that today's message deals with racism and the church and who black people really are because they call us Gentiles, they've labeled us Gentiles. So we need to find out the reason. If we are Gentiles, if we have been labeled this, then why are we not treated like all of the Gentiles? You know, I mean, 
uh, are all the Gentiles supposed to be treated like black people? I don't, I don't understand this. How can we be the only people who are Gentile, but have to face this thing of, uh, uh, a curse, you know, of Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. Why aren't all the Gentiles experiencing these things? So let's dig into this message and find out. So I pulled up a couple of, um, um, a couple of, of um, uh, um, you know, things that someone has written up. I can't even get my words straight this morning. I pulled up a couple of, of, of um, things that people said, like I said, about who the church is, you know, um, and uh, who they are and everything about it. So let's jump into it and find out what it is. So... Well, a couple of messages that these people wrote. So how is it that we were renamed Christians and cannot know our true identity? When we were brought into this country, we were stripped of everything. Our name, names, our um, identity, who we were, uh, our language as a people. You know, uh, we we were stripped of everything. So we don't know who we are because we were renamed. And everything was pretty much erased for us to kind of track where we came from. And even before then, you know, where we came from. Because we did not come from the places that we were snatched from. You know, in, in, the, um, in the parts of Africa where the slave traders came to. We came from another place, but we had to settle into those parts because we were originally exiled from our land. So let's find out more about this. Why is it that everyone from their foreign land know how to speak their mother tongue or language except for us? Why is it that we are told that we are Christians and we are the only group of people that the church will not stand for when we are persecuted? Now, you get all types of gay people in the church. They can even be pastors now in the pulpit, but they won't even stand up or speak up for the rights of blacks. And then you even have some gay people that say, well, you have gay people just like Buterich when he ran for office, when he was running for the president. He had made a statement that, you know, they came to the party late, but they have gained rights already. You know, they have been allowed, you know, to gain their rights. But then, see, they don't understand. They are part of Satan's kingdom. This is a part of his corrupt, you know, uh, um, um, abnormal people that he has allowed to come into the earth. You know, through this, through, you know, men loving men and women loving women. You know, uh, same-sex marriages and same-sex relationships. God did not create that. He created a man for a woman, you know, so that they can procreate. Two men cannot procreate. Two women cannot procreate. So with this being said, you know, this is Satan's abnormal people, you know, of who he has created in the earth. Even though we know Satan can't create anything, uh, we do know that he can, you know, uh, dishonor things that God has called good. He can go and, and, and cause it to be abnormal when it was normal, you know, uh, to a, a man and a woman is normal. Two men are not normal. Two women are not normal. 
So we, we must know these things and put them in that right category, you all, so we can understand what this is all about and what we are into and how people even see us, how they even looking at us, you know? Uh, we don't understand how people are looking at us, you know, to uh, understand where their mindset is coming from. So, again, uh, everyone has some form of protection where they can see justice except for us. There are no rules on the, on the books, no laws. There is no one to stand for black people. Yahweh even says that we didn't have any, we don't have an advocate to stand for us. So he's the only one that stood for his children. Not nobody else in the world. He only raised up leaders from among us to stand for us, but there's no one outside of us that will stand for us, you all. So everyone has some form of protection, like I said, where they can exceed, uh, where they can seek justice except for us. And like I said, even the Bible says that we would not have a covering or someone to stand for us. How are we Gentiles and Caucasian people? So I want to know how are we Gentiles and the Caucasian people are Gentiles and we are, we are all supposed to be Christians. Why are African-Americans the most mistreated race of people, but you say that we are Christians? Don't that mean that you're to love us as your brother? And then if you are loving us as your brother, don't that mean you're supposed to have our back and protect us just like the rest of the Christians are being protected? Why don't we have anybody to stand for us? I mean, I just read, read for you what the Bible says about, you know, us not having an advocate. But as far as these people naming us for Christians, we're supposed to have someone to stand for us if we are Christians. You know, uh, if we are what they say that they are, then they have a, a, a covering. They got somebody to stand for them. So why isn't it that, you know, the same, you know, allegiance are not pledged to us, you know? So, uh... Do that mean that the Southern Bible Belt are supposed to treat us like their brothers and sisters in Christ if we are all Christians? You know, the Southern Bible Belt, who lives in the Southern Bible Belt? Who are the leaders of the Southern Bible Belt? They're all Caucasian people. They are all people uh, with a heart who who are offsprings. They are, they are, they are, they are offsprings of their fathers who are, you know, the uh, slave masters, who are colonizers. That's who these people are. So do they have a heart for black people? No, they don't. Because we were sent here to, t to help them to be their treasure, to be, you know, their help. You know, that's how God sent us into this punishment. We are to be their blessing. But look how they treated their blessing. So why label us as Negroes who are Canaan, which are Gentiles, when they know that we are y'all's children? They know who we were when they brought us over here. They knew that we were a people to bless them and to, uh, you know, help them along the way, you know, to, to bless them to be, you know, uh, who God called them to be, you know, um, to, to be the powers of, of the earth that, you know, we were supposed to help them, you know, to build. We, we are builders. That's who God created us to be. Look, if you look back to out throughout history, you'll see what we built. We built kingdoms, y'all. Look at all those, those, uh, kingdoms of, of, um, the Middle East. 
when you go to the archaeological museum, I'll just Google it. Look and see those kingdoms and how they were built and how they were uh, 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 had costly stones on the inside of them. How they were using marble and onyx and, and, and crystals and stones, you know, to incorporate in their kingdoms. That's all we knew how to do was to build kingdoms. That's why we came. They, they snatched us from our land and then brought us over here to rebuild, to, to not rebuild, but to build this land because we are builders, people. There's so much to our identity that we don't even begin to know. You should know who you are, black people. You are some spe special people. You are, wow, you are what people desire to be because God put it in, in us. We are created in his image, directly in his image. And as the world will see, we have a pineal gland that will light us up. And that's how we are created in Yahweh's image because we are children of the light. So Ahmad Arbery was, 25, was a 25-year-old man who was executed by white men. He was followed by two men, a father and a son, and was filmed by another white man that did not help him. He he didn't try to call the police. He didn't do any of these things. He just filmed this and then, you know, gave some crazy excuse of why he didn't turn in, in uh, the film or call why he didn't actually call the police while this was happening. He knew that it was wrong. He knew it, if it was his son he would, and, and the shoe was on the other foot, he would want that to happen to his son. So come on now with these lame excuses. They don't fly. You knew what you were doing. So you were well aware of what you were doing. So Ahmad is just one of many of this type of crime perpetrated against us just for being black, us as a people, you know? So all people love to justify these killings by saying blacks commit black on black crime. Why, why should we make a fuss about police killings? But my question to them is, are they loony? Have they lost their doggone mind? Because we care about the killings regardless of whomever is killing us. You know, we care about all killings. So, come on now, y'all. Uh, we tired of them killing us, you know, taking our lives into their hands and them thinking that they can just do anything they want to do with us without repercussions. You know, this thing is coming to a head. This cannot continue to happen without poking the bear. You keep poking that bear. That bear going to poke back. I can tell you, we are not our ancestors. Yes, we're descendants, but we're not our ancestors. You keep poking that bear. And we you're going to find out we're not our ancestors, y'all. So let's get that straight around here because you're going to keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this. And one day you're going to get exactly what you're hoping for by poking the bear. Okay. But let's see where this black on black, uh, black on black crime originated from. Come on, follow me to Isaiah three, y'all. Isaiah three, one through five and 12. I'm going to read to you guys. Okay. It says, uh, Isaiah 3 and 1 verse, uh, verse, for behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts does take away from Judah and from, uh, from Jerusalem and Judah, the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole staff of water. Now you need both of them things to survive. I mean, you gotta have water and bread. The mighty man 
and the war, uh, man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man, and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. He said he took all of these people away from us. So we could not figure a way out of the punishments of Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. Because as we understand the spiritual realm, we know that it is much like magic. So by being much like magic, you know, uh, uh, our people could have probably figured a way out of this. But he said, uh-uh, he going to shut this off, this pineal gland. So you couldn't figure your way out of this punishment. And you were going to do the whole 400 years, which now we're at the end of that thing. Okay? So he says, as I will give children to be their prince and babes shall rule over them. Y'all hear that? Children as their prince and babes shall rule over them. What that sound like? Gangs. He put gangs in our community. And the people shall be oppressed one by another and everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. So he's saying that these children in our communities that he put over us to rule over us shall be oppressed. They will oppress us one by another. You know, and we are subjected that in, uh, subjected to that in our own neighborhoods. You know, when you're walking, you know, you have to uh, take take public transportation. Or if you are, especially our youth, this really applies to our youth, how they can't go through certain territories because then they have to go through these different elements of people, these different gang, you know, territories. And then they are, they are uh, you know, um, afflicted with, you know, who you're riding with, who you with, and all this kind of mess. You got to be with some kind of gang, you know, in order to, uh, you know, survive in your neighborhood. You got to ride with somebody for protection. So, you know, that that's what this is saying, that oppressors are their children, okay? So, so they are oppressed by everyone, uh, everyone and by another, and everyone his neighbor. Hey, you know, we have ruthless people among us, but it was done for a specific purpose. And I'll give you that purpose it was done for. So as for my children, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Now, y'all see this thing? How women rule over, we have fatherless, we have a lot of fatherless, you know, children in our midst, y'all. You know, uh, our men, our men do not marry the women and our race of people. So that leaves a whole lot of fatherless children. All of this was by design, y'all. Look back in the, in the sixties and seventies when they drove the men out of the, the, uh, household, when our women had to rely on public aid, you know, uh, the, the, the men were driven out of the household. So, uh, since that happened, you have a lot of fatherless uh, uh, households, and these these children are raising themselves, 
and the women in our community, hey, I was I was a single parent mother. I did not do a great job with my sons. I had sons. I did not have daughters. I don't know how to raise a man. I could tell him from a woman's point of view how a man should be, but I can't tell him from a man's point of view how a man should be. You know, I can only follow the instructions that were left, you know, by the men that I saw growing up and the men that were in my lives. And there weren't many men that were in my life, you know, to stand with my sons. So, yes, uh, single parent women get it wrong a lot, you know. Uh, we raise our men to be weak, but we raise our women to be strong. And that is, that, that's not, that's not a good thing for our people. But that's the way we were taught from slavery, that the women are strong and the men are weak. You know, that's why it's such a spiritual attack on our people. And it's so topsy turvy with who we are as a people and how we are, you know, moving. And and, 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 and and presented as a people. So now we see why. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. And, you know, we ain't ruling right, y'all. We let our children do anything, you know, in these streets. And then they bring it back home. And then some of, our, uh, some of these women and the fathers in, in, in the uh, household are scared of the children. So come on, y'all. This was done for a reason. So the Lord standeth. Stand up to plead and stand to judge the people. And the reason why this was done, because God knew that there will be a time when we will come out of Jim Crow, that we will come out of slavery first and then Jim Crow, you know, and then uh, what we're living now, you know, that we will have freedoms, you know, to, um, live the way we want, to make the type of money we want, you know, to be able to go on vacations, to be able to put our children through school, through college, you know, we would be able to do these things. And he knew that we would get get uh, stiff-necked and hard-hearted, that we would turn our backs against him. He know what kind of people he got. So he kept us on our knees by putting gangs, gangs in our communities. So that was the reason for that. So let's find some more evidence of black on black crime again in the Bible. So let's look at Isaiah 9 and 21, the King James Version. Okay, verse 21. Menanza devours Ephraim. Ephraim, uh, Menanza. Together they turn against Judah. Despite all of this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised, which means that it is up to you to develop a relation personally, individually with God. You know, it's it's within our power. If we want God, we reached out to him because he says his hand is still upraised. His hand is still stretched out. His anger is not turned away from us, but he still gave us a way to be redeemed, you know, from, you know, the curses of Deuteronomy 28. Come on, y'all. So uh, this this right here tells us about black on black crime. These are the 12 tribes. Manasseh is devouring Ephraim. Ephraim is devouring Manasseh. And together they turn against Judah. Come on, y'all. This is our black on black crime. It was written in the Bible to let us know we the people. And this is what will happen to us being the people. This is how you can find yourselves knowing who's truly Yahweh's children. Those people that are pretending to be us are not us. So again, let's find it again. Isaiah 11 and 13. 
So uh, then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart and the adversaries of Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will no longer envy Judah, nor will Judah harass Ephraim. Black on black crime all day long, y'all. It was allowed by God to keep us on our face and our knees, crying out to him for help and for a covering against all the evils in men's hearts towards us. Okay? So we are the ones tied to an inheritance according to the Bible that tells our story. The Bible ain't telling no other story other than our story, y'all. This story is about us and how we will be redeemed, how we are the center of the world, and, and we will be the attention of the center of the world because Yahweh going to do something with us that's going to knock the world off their feet. They, they say that we are nobody right now, that we deserve everything we get. Okay, we're going to see. We're going to see what Yahweh has to say about this, okay? So, instead of the world siding with the people who kill us, they stay quiet about it. And they don't take a stand with us to fight racism until it disappears, y'all. You know, the church don't. You know, so that is, but that will not happen because this is, you know, it's not supposed to happen because this is Satan's kingdom and we are following the rules set for his kingdom until Yahweh comes back to free us from this horrid punishment of Deuteronomy 28, y'all. So there's a pastor that I started following. His name is Pastor Steve Wilkins, and he is promoting the knowledge on the attitudes and mindsets that the Caucasian people who are in power with dark hearts are filled with. Y'all, okay, so we have to know, you know, where this mindset, you know, how what this mindset is that's over us as a people. You got to know how these, these people look at us. You know, they don't look at us with good, good intents in their hearts. They look at us so, so that they can, you know, uh, hopefully take, eradicate us from this earth because that's Satan's plan. And he's using these people to promote his plan in the earth. But, you know, Yahweh says that his remnant must come through. So, you know what? Regardless of what they try to do, it shall not prosper. It shall not prosper. So, he shows us this pastor... Steve Wilkins shows us how the 1669 Virginia Assembly Law was adopted and what the law has to say. And let us read for understanding so that we can all be on the same page about what's happening to our race of people, y'all. So I pulled this up about the Virginia uh, Assembly. So I want to read to you what it says. It says on October 20th, 1669, the Virginia Colonial Assembly enacted a law that removed criminal penalties. Yeah, now listen to this well, because this is what these police uh, use with this darn stand your ground law. Okay, so October 20th, y'all Google this, October 20th of 1669, the Virginia Colonial Assembly, y'all, enacted a law that removed criminal penalties from enslavers who killed enslaved people resisting authority. As a result, throughout the course of slavery in this country's history, enslavers were rarely punished for killing enslaved people. So guess what, y'all? We were bought over here as enslaved people. So the powers that be, the laws the 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 uh people who uphold the laws in this country, the police, 
And these white people with this cold heart, this is what they use. This is how their heart is towards us. They use this. They have re resurrected this law and changed it into stand your ground. That's why they can say, oh, I was afraid. Being afraid will get them a slap on the wrist for killing one of us. But why are you so afraid? Because you know who you bought over here, who you captured and bought over here to work this land, and then you don't want to treat us right still? I mean, you you and your ancestors have this heart, this, this cold heart against us, and then you say you're afraid, but you are the one perpetrating these, these wicked, horrid, terroristic acts against us, and you are afraid? You should be afraid. If you're going to keep in that same mindset, change your doggone mindset, then you won't be afraid. If you're coming to us, you know, out of out of our wickedness, you're coming to us out of deceit and you're trying to kill us. What makes you think that the shoe will never get on the uh, go on the other foot and what you do to us won't be done back to you? What, what makes you think these things? You're supposed to do unto others as, as you would have them do, do unto you. The way you want somebody to treat you is the way you're supposed to treat people. But that's not how this goes with, with people who have cold, hard hearts. They want to kill us and then say, oh, we're afraid, we're afraid. Oh, we had to kill them because we're afraid. Well, quit killing us. Quit treating us the way you treat us. Then you won't have to be afraid but they are under strong delusion of believing that they can kill us with as much as a slap on the wrist because of their laws they act as if they do not know who we are as a people they know that they know they know who we are when they they went and got us and we were delivered in this land they were told who we are that we were a blessing that we are the people of Yahweh that we are the people that that were blessed our hands are blessed that we will cause their crops to grow that we we can uh uh you know enlarge help enlarge them you know help enlarge their finances help enlarge their pockets that we can make them rich you know, because we are good workers and that we can work that hot sun. You know, they knew who they were getting, that we, they could mistreat us and abuse us any kind of way, that we would still work for them. So they are the ones who mistreated their blessing. We were sent as a blessing to them. So that is why we were given to them in a servitude manner. They act as if there's no repercussion for taking our people's lives. But Yahweh will punish those who despitefully kill our people. So in essence, we can find that white fragility is tied to an unfair advantage given to the nations of Yahweh. And you can find that they live in our tents through Genesis 9 and 27, where they do not have to compete for the best jobs or buying a house without predatory lending or many of the other things that they have, that, that they have, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that are, are, are for them. You know, I don't have my words right today. So forgive me. I'm trying to think so fast until I can't pull up the right words, but 
uh, they're the ones who have all of these good things working in their behalf because, you know, it was their time through Satan's reign, you know, to be the blessing, to be on top. You know, well, we got Deuteronomy 28. We got the cursings of that blessings, blessing, but they are living in the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. Now, we're living in the end of times where everything is about to flip over and we are going into the blessings like we are supposed to be. But because we failed, we broke those commandments, we had to be whipped. You know, we had to be chastised. We had to be killed. We had to go through all the sufferings and pains that we find ourselves in today because uh, this had to be fulfilled in order for us to get to the better part, you know. So anyway, racism in the church, how American Christians rebuilt the wall that Jesus tore down. So this was written by Dr. Jeff Ebert. And he says, when it comes to race, the American church rebuilt the walls that Jesus tore down. So on religion and racism, the Bible tells us that believing Christians must oppose every form. The Bible tells us that believing Christians must oppose every form of racism. Mm, but do they? God gave the Apostle John a vision of heaven as a multi-ethnic gathering, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Okay, so out of these people that were given, then their hearts must be for the heart of God's children because they can't get, they can't be among this number if they don't like Yahweh's children. If they don't receive Jesus as Lord, they can't do all of this because that's the way God left in the earth. So this thing was done like this so that he can separate the lamb from the goats. So he can separate the wheat from the tear. So he can separate, you know, what is not his, y'all. He did this thing. He says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. So he used this as his way. So he got these, so these people are under a strong delusion that they are the right people, that this is the way that this is supposed to be done. But if they are Christians, like they say they are, and Christians are supposed to have a loving heart towards their brothers and sisters. They're not living that way. So how are they going to make it in this number? You know, saying that they are a, a, a Christian people and they, they are supposed to oppo oppose every form of racism. Well, they ain't opposing every form of racism now. That's why they're carrying their darn guns, you know, going to the Capitol building, talking about Jews ain't going to replace us. You ain't going to replace us. You are not going to replace us or whatever they be saying, you know, because racism is leading this thing. It's the greatest leader of the church right now. So... Heaven isn't homogenous, and neither were Christ's followers. The apostles first publicly preached about Jesus to those who had come to Jerusalem from all over the world. The Bible lists no less than 15 district ethnic groups who heard the message of Jesus for the very first time, including Egyptians, Libyans, Romans, and Arabs. Jesus gave the apostles a vision for his kingdom where everyone, no matter their skin color or language, had the same access to God's grace. 
but we have failed to create the heaven on earth. In fact, churches are among the most segregated public spaces in America. Sure is. Uh, research by sociologists at both Duke University and Pew Research Center point out that 300,000 or so religious congregations in America today are religious groups, not just Christians. Only 7.5% of them would qualify as multi-ethnic. Defined as a congregation in which no single ethnic ethnicity makes up more than 80% of those who attend. Look at just Christian congregate looking looking at just Christian congregations and that number falls to below 3%. It's normal in other words for churches in America to be all white or all black or all Asian or all Latino and Christians of all colors seem to accept it without embarrassment. We are okay with driving down the street saying, that's the black church. That's the Korean church. Mm-hmm. That's that racism. That's that separation and division, y'all. Racism in our society and, and racism in our church exists as the result of people turning away from the teaching of scripture. And to our shame, too often in the past, too, and too often in the past, Christian endorsed a bogus theology of racial superiority. That you, that's used to justify discrimination, apartheid, and slavery. See, I told you all that that scripture was put in the Bible that says you're not to think of yourself more higher than you ought to. See, that's why that scripture is there. They think more highly of themselves than they ought to. They have made themselves something that they are not. They say they're superior because of race. When Yahweh chose his children out of the earth, he chose his children. Men don't cho choose their children for God. God chooses his own children and he chose us. Africans of the diaspora. So we need to know the truth, y'all. So anyway, only by returning to the biblical truth of the overarching uh, standard by which all else is measured will an accurate view of racial unity be seen and actualized. Pastor Tony Evans Wright writes, so the great failure of the American church is that Christians rebuilt the wall that Jesus tore down. In 1787, two black men, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, were thrown out of St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia for setting for sitting in the white only section of the church. The next day, a group of African Americans who witnessed the encounter bought a vacant store and started their own church. And the African Methodist Episcopal Church was born, the AME, y'all. So white evangelical Christians like Henry Ward Bleacher, were the backbone of the abolitionist movement, but did not advocate for the full inclusion of African Americans into white Christianity. You see how this thing was still kept to survive? You know, so the abolitionists, they say they fighting for the freedom of black folks, that they want them to be on an equal uh, playing field or whatever. They didn't want equal. They didn't want the playing field equal because they never included African Americans into white Christianity mm, was a reason for that because they're being ruled by Satan to have hate in their heart for separation and division. You got to know why these things are in place. So the dividing wall is still there. And when Christian denominations split over the issue of uh, slavery, as the Presbyterians did in 1858, the Northern churches 
did not welcome African-Americans into their fold as equals. Mm, that's enough to get you sent to hell, y'all. Mm. The early church had to confront racism in its, in its midst because it was an evil that went against the kingdom vision of Christ and was an impediment to the spread of Christ's gospel. We have to confront it for the same reasons. If we are to ever fulfill Jesus' petition in the Lord's prayer for his kingdom to come on earth, then the first thing we have to do is to at least acknowledge that the problem of racism is real and still exists in our culture and in our churches. And as we have take as and as we have to take an honest look into our own hearts about our own subtle or not so subtle prejudices. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors, envoys of his kingdom. Christians should be leaving gospel fingerprints everywhere they go. But how is this so when they cannot take care of the, the race problem in their own home in America? They will not take care of this problem. They won't even bring it up. They won't even as, as so much as mention slavery. Or the different aspects of slavery. They won't even mention the Jim Crow laws. So that tells you a lot about what they feel about racism in America. Racial uh, reconciliation is not a liberal issue. It is not a conservative issue. It is a biblical issue. Sure, it gets po po uh, political, political size. And co-opted by people seeking power or wealth to, or recognition. But the misuse of the issue should not dissuade us from zealously pursuing God's vision for God's world. So that was by Je uh, Dr. Jeff Ebert, who is a senior pastor of New Providence Presbyterian Church. How evangelicals support white supremacy. Even though they reject racism, people of color can find themselves a casualty of evangelical disinterest. So I have another report where it says white evangelicals are the most fragile of all white people. Now, this is by Brandy Miller. I once attended a mission conference run by predominantly white evangelical organization where for one night, black styles of worship, preaching and spirituality were the focus. The worship team wore Black Lives Matter t-shirts and the preacher exhorted the thousands present present to repent of the ways that evangelism, evangelicalism is in bed with white supremacy. The black attendees reflected on how we have never felt or uh, so seen, empowered, or cared for in an evangelical space. But shortly after, several white male colleagues began to publicly question on social media where there was space for them as conservative white evangelicals in the organization. You see this? They don't even want to acknowledge this thing. If they even start to get it together, see, that shows you the, uh, the hearts of people. Now, now, not all white people are bad. Now, we ain't saying that. What we're saying is that racism exists in these churches, these evangelicals who you have blacks among white evangelicals, and we are not all standing for the same thing. You got whites that are standing for separation and division because they do not uh, 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 see blacks as a part of, you know, their society. They don't want us to be a part of their society. So they, they, 
would allow for us to be separated and for us to have our own church services. But, you know, this thing has to come to an end because this is Satan's Satan's uh, way of doing things. And it causes separation and division. We are in his kingdom, y'all, and it's coming to an end. We're at the end of a thing. So that's why this thing is so big. That's why this thing is so such to a point where we see it, where it's coming out, where the hood is being pulled off, where we can actually see this is racism. This is nothing less than racism, y'all. And it's going to produce a war. Because you can't keep poking the bear thinking that the bear ain't going to wake up and poke your butt back. Come on now. you It says do unto others as you would have done unto you. So if you want it, you going to get it. Eventually, it's going to come to you. Keep poking that bear and find out. Because uh, not all of us are our ancestors. I would like to let you all know that. Black folks are not their ancestors. Keep poking us and you're going to find that out. And that's not a threat. Uh, the black attendees reflected on how we never felt so uh, or seen so empowered or cared for in an evangelical space. Right. That wasn't real, y'all. It was only real among those people who have a heart for us. And you can count them probably on one hand. You know, those who really do have our back because ain't none stood for our plight. As black people being killed with black on black crown or with police shootings. So that's how you know that this thing is fake, fake, fake. Okay? And you can see what people's hearts are. So an hour and a half of honoring and caring for black people sent them spiraling into their feelings. They operated from the assumption that calling out white racism was persecution or created disunity in the body of Christ. This is white fragility. Yep, it sure is. Because if we can't talk about it, it hurts your feelings. Oh, you know, that's a demon right there. That demon don't want to be talked about. And he don't want you to, to call him out. But the devil is a lie. He under our feet. Saints of God and black folks, you are the saints. You must know who you are in Jesus' name. So white supremacy ensures that white feelings will always trump the lives experienced a people of color. So it will always stand before the lives, the, the, the lived experiences of people of color. So uh, this report, this in this in this report, it says conservative Christians were the political pawns of 2018. Uh, when situations arrive where race and privilege were questioned and criticized, oftentimes white people feel uh, white people free fall into fear, anger, silence, denial, or guilt. These emotions, while understandable and not bad in their own right, typically derails and recenter race conversations around the feelings of the privileged white person instead of on the on the lived oppress on the lived oppressive reality of the people of color. So it says white evangelical Christians are part uh, particularly fragile with whiteness being normalized and pandered to in society and theologized in the church. Evangelicalism at large cannot even identify with this inherent Christian privilege. 
let alone with the sexism or racism within the church. It is wholly unsurprising that if evangelicals can claim to be persecuted, even as 83% of Americans identify as Christians, they will almost certainly interpret the suggestion that their whiteness has negative meaning as an attack on the very core of who they are. Y'all need to get over y'all doggone sales. Y'all did this. Didn't nobody force y'all to do nothing. Didn't nobody put no gun up to your head and say, treat these people like this. You did this out of a, out of a cold, hard, callous heart. Your people did this. And the best way to address this is to come with a conversation that includes us. And that is of repentance, which means to turn around, to turn away from racism and to, and, and to, Deny every tentacle of it, that where it has crawled into every part of our society. You have to, you have to, to cut them things off. You have to call those things out and pluck them up by the root that they shall wither and die. You can't just uphold this thing. You can't hide behind it saying, that was my ancestors. My ancestors did it. No, you are a product of your ancestor. You're here because of your ancestor. And if this was their mindset and yours ain't changed over the years, you know, that brought us up to this point, you still have the same mindset. So you can kill our people without any any repercussions without having a feeling of, oh, we did something wrong. You're going to keep poking that bear. That bear going to poke back. So faith is a simple part of any Christian belief center. Christian, certainly it is often revered as better than uh, doubt or questioning. And thus Christians are compelled to create in the context of their faith, defensive posture against anything that dares to challenge what they know to be true. But you know, we are not no doggone Negroes from Canaan. The powers that be know who we are. So it will be seen who we are. And at that point, y'all going to come and apologize to us for treating us the way that you have treated us because it is wicked. It is wrong. But y'all always say he'll pull the covers off the ass. Everybody will see. But any counterpoint, any varying belief is seen as an attack on Christian values as a whole. Christians are taught that what they perceive and what is inside of them is the most important factor in any scenario. Race not excluded. So they can treat you like the crap underneath their feet. As long as you don't make them feel bad about what they believe in, they okay with it. But as soon as you bring light to the subject, they got a problem with it. Well, I got a problem because they got a problem with it. Okay? So, and this will not lie dormant. This will come to a head. So, at base level for Christians, challenging challenges to racial understanding feel much like challenges to faith. That is to say that when the truth that you know is under attack, you feel it viscerally and thus seek to defend your current position. If a white Christian believes that they are a good person, redeemed and saved in the eyes of God through the, through the sacrifice of Jesus, any suggestion that they may not be perfect in the eyes of the world because of their whiteness is a challenge to that faith. And all challenges to faith, the root of Christianity, should be argued, defended, or silenced. This posture of 
white of uh, uh, Christian white fragility produces communities that are so defensive that any questioning about race is seen as dividing the body of Christ along racial lines instead of what it is creating space for everyone, which is people of color in the church to feel seen and heard. Okay, so they feel like they're being victimized if we bring up the subject of white superiority. Uh, so come on, y'all. This has to stop. We can't just go with, you know, these lines, you know, that uh, we have to keep them feeling, you know, calm and cool and collective about them being Christians. No, y'all finna bust hell wide open because y'all not doing this thing right at all. And y'all, we got something to say about that. That's why the plagues are here, y'all. Uh, uh, y'all need to read the Bible. Y'all need to read the Old Testament. A lot of y'all say, you know, oh, well, we living in the New Testament. The Old Testament don't apply. Oh, yes, it does. Because you know what? The curses that you're living, uh, the plagues that you're living in right now today, they in the Old Testament. Uh, they're not necessarily in the New Testament. So you need to read, read for understanding to know what has happened and why it has happened. Y'all can't do this. Y'all can't, y'all not getting away with this. I tell you, that's what the word of God says. So it's better to get it straight now than to have to focus on what everybody, you know, will come into judgment about. Your heart. What does your heart have? What, what do you got in your heart? Do you love people? Or do you hate people? You know, that's what this really, really up, up boils down to. So let me read. Uh, Apologies without true repentance and a change of heart means nothing. If the evangelicals are offering true repentance, then they should pay us the reparations that is owed to our people out for our ancestors working this land as free labor. If they were true in their hearts about repentance, right? Uh, they will give us what they owe us. If they can't talk about racism as a nation and get down to the root cause of why the world hates Africans of the diaspora, then America is choosing to never heal from her acts of terrorism, of barbaric treatment over the African Americans that came through the uh, diaspora. They came through the transatlantic slave trade. So, in this uh, other report, that came from uh, Alternate by Chris Sousa. He says that he spent most of his life inside of the evangelical Christian community where he's watched society puzzle over its relationship to white supremacy. Evangelical leaders seem oddly removed from the discussion, con condemning racism, but doing nothing proactive about the problem. There's a reason for this phenomenon. So, originally formed in partial defense of slavery, the Southern, no, let's start up here. His evangelical experience occurred inside of a large Southern Baptist convention affiliated congregation called Spotwood Baptist Church in Virginia. The SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, is the largest evangelical denominational denomination in the United States, housing more than 15 million members. The only Christian body in the U.S. with more members than the Catholic Church, than in the Catholic Church. Originally formed in partial defense of slavery, 
Uh, the SBC publicly rejects its racial roots. The apology and statement on race released by the SBC in the 1990s read in part, we apologize to all African Americans for condoning and or perpetuating individual and system systemic racism in our lifetime. And we generally repent of racism of which we have been guilty, whether consciously, and they use Psalm 19 and 13, or unconsciously, Leviticus 4 and 27. It continues, we ask forgiveness from our African-American brothers and sisters. Pay us our, our uh, reparations. If you are so, if you so uh, 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 truthful about, you know, you being, you know, uh, repentant, turning away, turning around from racism, pay us what you owe our ancestors, you know, for working this land for free. So, as I said, their apologies without true repentance means nothing, y'all. It means nothing at all. So the evangelical views, what they derisively named the social gospel to be distractions from their primary goal of soul winning. They said some leading evangelicals have tried in vain to convince members to care more in recent years. But indoctrination into the zero-sum theology of evangelical Christians has left congregants hardened adverse such messages. So their hearts became even more hardened. Why is it necessary to convince those people to care more when the second part of the, the main commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself? You shouldn't have to convince these people. They should already know that they are to love their neighbor as themselves, y'all. I mean, this is, this is, it's not, you know, uh, rocket scientists. So do you gen so it all boils down to do you genuinely love people or do you secretly hate them? Okay? So basically this is this is the only thing that I really have to uh you know that I really wanted to bring to you all. So um actually when Christianity when Christianity discovers Africans other diaspora we did not know about this religion. The form of Christi this form of Christianity that we see today is what our ancestors and the early church tried to stop. This form of Christianity that we are living in right now today is the form that our ancestors fought and lost their lives for us not to be a part of. But you see, we're in Satan's kingdom and this is his way. And he has turned around a lot of things. He's pulled the wool over our eyes and he's gone out and told the world, he's deceived the world with who the true children are. He got the world thinking that those Jews of nowadays are the true children. But the world is about to, you know, come into the true knowledge of who is truly who in the world. Y'all, it's about to come come forth who the true children are. You can only laugh for so long. You know what? People can say anything out of their mouth. And it don't mean that it's true. But it can stand as truth until Yahweh come and disprove it as a lie. And he going to disprove what they're saying as a lie. Because I told y'all we have a pineal gland. He going to light us up. And he's going to show the world who his true children are. So, they let their lies keep on persisting because their lies going to come back to them and slap them upside the head, slap them right in their mouth because they know that they are lying. So this, like I said, there's a covering pulled over the face of the people, you know, over their eyes. We can, we, that, that 
you know, over their natural eyes. But over their spiritual eyes, they don't see the real picture that involves the spiritual realm. So we only get bits and pieces. But at the appointed time, you know, everyone will see the truth. This is, we have now come into, you know, accountability. So now that's why everything is being exposed from the t higher up, the top, from the top of the thing, you know, to, to be exposed of why this happened to us and what has really happened, you know. So, um, and what, what you would do in the darkness has a way of coming back and revealing itself. So that is why this is happening. So we've come to the end of another broadcast, y'all. And uh, uh, tomorrow is the Sabbath. So kick back, relax, and spend some time, some much-needed time with Yahweh, you know, and, and, and with Jesus so that uh, you can get a direction for your life. So enjoy your weekend, and you have a blessed week ahead. And I hope this message has enlightened you as to who, who you are whose you are, and why this thing is operating over us. And as to the people who have us into captivity, what is their mindset and their heart concerning, you know, Africans of the diaspora who came through the transatlantic slave trade. So everybody be good and goodbye for now. So I'm signing off as your host, Empress in Sharon Yisrael. Talk to you later.
Enjoy your weekend.